You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast news news update. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, and please remember to subscribe to Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, Spotify, and the brand new YouCanArguThatSports.com. And as always, I am doing this podcast with my boy, John, some sports guy, Hickman, and this is a, you know, normally it's a turn up Tuesday, but it's still it turn is up. a, it's still turn up. We take need, yourself listen, home Tuesday. Listen, are, we turning up, are we really turning up here or are we just going through the motions? What are we doing? We, we turning up. Listen, I know there's a lot going on, but in order for us to get through this virus, we need a little bit more positivity, man. Everywhere I look, it's just bad news after bad news after bad news. We just need to just shine some light on this terrible time because we will get through this. Trust me, we will get through this. Through prayer and belief, we will get through this. And we just all just need to just be positive and just keep on trucking. So, yeah, we're going to still turn up on this Tuesday, man. Put some put some happiness in your voice. Well, if you want to turn up, go get your Corona. Stop by the store and get a Corona. How about that? That'll, that'll help no, you no. turn up. No, because um, that's going to make you think about it. And like fine. I say, I believe that company needs to change their name when all this is over with. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here. But I tell you what, there is some spicy news that I kind of want to throw out to you guys. The David Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins trade is in jeopardy right now because of physicals. We've seen this before um, where a trade, you know, it goes through. However, there is a physical that needs to be passed. And right now it looks like the 28-year-old David Johnson who underwent a physical on his wrist, the joint that kept him sidelined for most of the 2017 season, he passed despite reduced range of motion that initially caused the doctor to hesitate. He has to take another physical as the rest of his body needs to catch up to where uh, he needs to be. So this trade could potentially not go through, which is funny because then we will see whether or not there is a relationship that can be salvaged between Hopkins, between Bill O'Brien, between the entire front office of Houston and the wide receiver star. I don't don't know if this will happen or not. I don't know if the trade will be halted. We're not sure. The thing about the trade was the Texans were getting, if it goes through, the Texans will be getting a fourth-round pick, but, I mean, a a second-round pick at 40, but the funny thing about that, it kind of seemed like that 40th pick would be used to replace DeAndre Hopkins. Well, if you get that back, then you no longer have to worry about that. We'll see how that continues to go because that loophole could very much possibly redeem Bill O'Brien and the Texas front office from making, if not the worst, 
offseason move thus far this season? Well, John, I don't know about you, but I'm at the point where, I mean, the fandom inside of me would love to see the return of Hopkins, but at the end of the day, I'm not too sure about that because in an event where this trade does get recalled and Hopkins do come back to the Texans, then the Texans might be in a situation where they're going to have to deal him for an even worse deal, only due to the fact that everything that has been said in the public eye between the relationship of Bill O'Brien and Hopkins, I'm not sure if that relationship can be salvaged at this point, which means they're going to have multiple teams with leverage in order for the Texans to make another deal for DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, this could this this could be a blessing. I mean, hey, they could work things out and Hopkins can play the 2020 NFL season, then hell, I'm all for it, but I'm not just I'm not just too sure knowing that the Texans going to lose so much leverage in a potential deal for Hopkins to the point it's going to look even worse. Yeah, well, and of course, we will keep our eye on that. I, I think eventually the trade will finalize itself. It will go through. So I'm uh, anticipating that deal getting done. Before we move along, because we had to talk about the all-decade team, right? The 2010 decade team dropped today. There were a couple of Texans on there. And then maybe you can kind of go back and forth on whether or not a player should have made it or not. That's something we'll get into. But... I want to respond to Sergeant Duke's tweet. And, uh, you know, he's one of the listeners of the show. He tweeted me about my comments about Eric Reed possibly joining the Houston Texans. And, you know, first of all, Sergeant Duke, because it looks like in your avi you have on the camouflage. And if you are in the services, let me first say thank you for your services. You know, what you do it's what a lot of us don't have the courage to do. A lot of us just don't want to do or whatever the case is, however we can flip it. But thank you for all that you do. And you mentioned how the entire backstory of how Colin Kaepernick and the whole kneeling came about, which I am very, very, trust me when I say this, I am very full aware of. And you mentioned how Eric Reed, who is a son of a minister and veteran, helped Colin Kaepernick. And then you also called Eric Reed an activist, a patriot. He's a damn good safety. To you yourself, you said he is a great example to young people of what they need to be. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I really do. But I want I want you to remember, if 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 Cody, if if you had your way, would you bring in Eric Reed for safety? I'm sure you would. I'm sure you'll bring him in for a workout. I'm sure you'll bring him in just to see, uh, just to see where he could land and, and do for this team. I would as well. We're not talking about what we would do, Sergeant. We're talking about what this franchise would do. And here is a, a little bit of link between Eric Reed, Colin Kaepernick, and the Houston Texans. Before Bob McNair passed away, there was a lot of back and forth between the president of the United States calling SOB, calling the players and owners SOBs, uh, Jerry Jones kneeled, and then there was this big meeting where Bob McNair, and I quote, said, we don't want the inmates running the prison. And on top of that, once Bob McNair passed away, then we saw DeAndre Hopkins, where his 
Colin Kaepernick support sweater. Oh, no, it was a jersey, which I still got to get that jersey. But what I'm saying is this franchise, the same franchise that passed on Marcus Peters for Kevin Johnson is a very conservative franchise. So, yes, they do their due diligence of scouting their players, bringing them in. If they if they are talented, they will bring them in only if they will not be a distraction to what they believe is a distraction. So Eric Reed case, we know Eric Reed will never stop being who he is, and that's something we should all be proud of, be who you are. But he is too big of a I, – I, I don't want to call him a character because he's a real life man, but he is a too big of a personality for the Houston, Texas. And so that's why I'm saying it would not happen because I don't believe, and I could be wrong. Bill O'Brien can bring him in for a workout and, you know, maybe they can sign him, but I don't believe that if there were rumors of a, of a, of a wide receiver who never gave any problems ever, having issues with the quarterback, with the head coach because of some baby mamas, and I quote from Michael Irvin, uh, uh, allegedly, then Eric Reed would not fit here in Houston. On Monday, the NFL released its 2010s all-decade team roster. And, you know, I, I love – looking at all decades team, no matter what sport it is, because at the end of the day, you're talking about the best players at their position. You know, you're basically talking about the players who define this era of the NFL. And uh, of course, leading the way, of course, quarterback Tom Brady. Also for running backs, you have guys like Marshawn Lynch going all the way down to wide receivers. Antonio Brown actually was a surprising so selection for this not only due to the fact of how bad everything just fell apart last year but as they say one bad year does not erase how great of a career Antonio Brown was having and of course on the defensive side of the ball who highlighted the defensive end your boy J.J. Watt who basically Justin James who basically should just be named to the all NFL team at this point in his career. You know how great Justin Jane has been ever since he stepped foot in the city of Houston. But ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to these teams, we don't agree with everything that they say. First and foremost, you guys know by now I'm originally from New Orleans, which means I am a Saints fan. And I am very upset that they, that they do not have Drew Brees as a third quarterback on, the, on this list. They only have two, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I call BS on that. But me and John actually found another thing wrong with this list. And it's not really a problem depending on what you think of these two players. Yes, one of them actually... His career took a turn for the worse only due to injuries. But when you're looking at the running backs, they named the top three running backs of this decade. Of course, Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch. But the third best running back, according to NFL.com, LaShawn McCoy. And with all due respect to McCoy, me and John are on the fence of thinking that if you were to put McCoy on this list, 
Now, of course, we wasn't in the room when this list was taking place, but we do believe that with all due respect to McCoy, Aaron Foster should have been on this list. John, I'm going to let you take it away. Yeah, absolutely. When I look over the course of what Arian Foster did as an undrafted free agent, uh, which I think in the end kind of hurt him a little bit because he was undrafted, and what Shady did over the course of his entire uh, 2010 run from two weeks. Let's go ahead and start off with 2009 all the way up until uh, this past year with Kansas City. I think what helps Sean McCoy is the fact that he was able to continue to play, you know. But mm-hmm. at the height of their career, let's go from 20. You got to go from 2010. Right, 2009. Okay, from 2010, Arian Foster, his first year as a starter, he started six, 13 games out of the 16. He played in 16, started 13. He had 1,600 yards, 16 touchdowns. I uh, had a long of 74 yards, and he averaged one-on-one per game. The next year, only played in 13 games, had over 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. The next year, 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns. The following year, he got hurt. That was just a bad year for Houston, that which led them to uh, drafting Jadavion Clowney. But the next year, he's, he had the full 13-game season, still dealt with some injury, missed three games. Had over 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. There are multiple times he averaged over 90 plus yards per game with a 100 uh, 100 yards per game, 94 yards per game, then 85 yards per game. And then the one year that he rushed for 1,400 yards, which was a huge year, he averaged 89 yards per game. And that's only because he had 351 carries, which I think that spike of almost a hundred uh, extra carries from the year before. You know, he still was a young back at the time, really did kind of go through, uh, really, well, really affected him in his injury history. Now, if we go through LaShawn McCoy's best years, there's a little bit over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, and then 1,300 yards, 17 touchdowns, 840 yards, two touchdowns, and then 600, 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns. And then during those time, Shady only averaged over 90 yards once with 100 yards per game. The rest are averaging around 72, 87. Now, we do know Shady does a very good job on the receiving end, multiple seasons with over 500 receiving yards. But I just think the fact that Shady McCoy played longer in the in his career period helped him out. I will know that Arian Foster had two seasons with over 600 receiving yards. He was a dual threat out of the backfield. Uh, one year, he accounted for over 2,100 yards. Not as much of a dual threat that LaShawn McCoy was throughout his entire career, but he was still a very effective uh, pass catcher out of the backfield. I just think longevity helped out LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, most definitely it, it did. But my only problem with this is I believe that Aaron Foster – was more value to the Texans versus what McCoy was to the Eagles. And I only say that due to the fact that, I mean, outside of Andre Johnson and, of course, J.J. Watt, 
And what other top tier player did the Texans have doing the time Aaron Foster was here? Because remember, he came in 2009 and he finished his career career around 2004-2005. He basically put up a lot of good numbers in the era where the Texans really didn't have a quarterback to lead them anywhere. Versus LaShawn McCoy, he basically played majority of his prime with Michael Vick. Of course, he wasn't the Vick of Atlanta, but I mean, Michael Vick was still damn good than any quarterback that the Texans had on their roster during that time. And not to mention his teammates, Darren Sproles and Jason Peters, they also made an appearance on his all-decades team. So that Eagle team was stacked, which means his value to that team during the early part of the 2010s of the Philadelphia Eagles, his value to the team was not as high as Arian Foster's. Can you imagine how much worse the Texans would have been if it wasn't for Arian Foster out, out, out of the backfield in Houston? Yeah, yeah, and, and remember, you know, they, they tried to experiment a little bit. Remember, two years before that, they had Steve Slayton, who ran for over 1,000 yards. And then that mm-hmm. following year, you know, he had a bad year. I, I, he put on too much weight. I think he tried to become more of a power back. That's an issue that I've had with the Texans for a very long time. But, however, that issue led us to Arian Foster. And they also brought in Moats. You know, let's re- let's remember one thing about Arian Foster. You know how Deshaun Watson is the first franchise quarterback? Well, the Texans went through Dominique Davis, who then became Dominique Williams and vice versa. They brought in Amar Green. They went through a carousel of running backs before they happened to land. And, of course, a couple of those guys had a 1,000-yard seasons, like I mentioned with Steve Slayton. But before they got to the undrafted, of all guys, the undrafted running back out of Tennessee who, you know, dealt with his own issues before even considering being drafted, going to the draft, Arian Foster was a goal, was one of those, you know, dominant roughs. And he paid off for them immediately. What I'm getting at is, and we can talk about Andre Johnson with this as well, the lack of consistent talent around this team has hurt some of this team's great. If it wasn't for J.J. Watt just winning three defensive MVPs and being as great and dominant as he has been, do you think he would always be on that national spotlight? No, because this team has not consistently been able to put talent around one another. And that separates what we see with LaShawn McCoy and Arian Foster. Now, uh, granted, like I said, I think Shady deserves to be on this list because of his longevity in the 2010s. And he, I mean, along with Frank Gore, who's been playing football for like almost 20 years now in the NFL, but those years help him. But Arian Foster, I want to see where the entire list ended. Like, where were those? Okay, these were honorable mentions because. There's no way you can tell me Arian Foster was not a top 10 back of the 2010s. And that is what I would like to see. And you also mentioned that this team, this franchise has wasted um, some good talent. And, you know, when I was looking at this at this list and I was looking at the wide receivers, I do believe if the Texans had at least a better quarterback, I do believe you can make a stronger case for Andre Johnson because yes, I mean, majority of of the prime of his career was in the two thousands, but the early part of the 2010s, all the way to 
around what let's say 2014 possibly 2015 Johnson wasn't no scrub <laughs> so you know you 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 say that the best this franchise has wasted the talents of a, a, a lot of players where to the point if they would have just built this team just a tad bit better we wouldn't be talking about Aaron Foster and Andre Johnson as you know coming up short in a list of the all-time all-decade list we'd be talking about no both of these players are on the verge of a hall of fame only due to the fact if it if the Texans just had some kind of success if they just built some kind of team during the prime of their careers we'd be looking at hall of fame numbers right now for these guys Andre Johnson, without a doubt, has Hall of Fame numbers. If we look at strictly the 2010s, now granted, the list they put out with Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones, and Calvin Johnson, what they did in the 2010s, especially Calvin Johnson with that created Madden year, then no, he's not in that four. But what he did in the 2010s, start off with 2010. 1,200 yards, got hurt the following year, only had 492 yards, comes back, has 1,600 yards, then 1,400 yards. He has had incredible seasons, and this is all with no-name quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, Matt Schaub had those two good years, but then let's not forget Andre Justin also had to go through the same thing. DeAndre Hopkins had to go through. Who the hell is throwing the ball to me? I don't know. Can you tell me? Where's Waldo? They've all went through these issues, and he consistently puts up those huge numbers. Those Hall of Fame numbers are there. And no, he is not a part of the 2010 decade team. I'm a realist. But like I said, the same thing with Arian Foster. I want to see the list past the ones that were selected because now we have to get into another question. Jason Peters is on this list. Joe Staley is on this list. Those are, without a doubt, 2010 decade left tackles. But then my next question is, how far along down the list is Dwayne Brown? Right? You see what I'm saying? There has been tremendous talent come through these doors here in Houston. But I do think the spotlight has been taken off them because it's always like, who's the guy behind center? Who's playing quarterback for them right now? But here's my only concern. You mentioned that Andre Johnson has the number to get into the Hall of Fame. And yes, I agree with you. But the next problem is, will he be able to get in? I'm under the impression that he, unfortunately, he's not going to get in. He's going to be the guy that every single year he's on the ballot, he's going to fall short, fall short, fall, fall short. And let's say he possibly get in at the age of 80. Andre Johnson, without a doubt, is a future gold jacket. I don't There's know, no question John. about it. Maybe not first ballot. If it's up to me, he is definitely first ballot. He has given you everything that NFL voters for Hall of Famers, which I hate how the NFL votes Hall of Famers. They, they want you to have a, a, a clean slate sometimes before you even get Well, Andre Johnson has a clean slate. Well, that's what I'm saying. He has everything on top of the numbers. So he should be right. a first ballot. But if Terrell Owens had to wait a year, then also so would so should Andre Johnson. Well, when it comes to Terrell Owens, first and foremost, I think that was one of the dumbest decisions in the history of all sports is the fact that you let a guy in Terrell Owens wait a year 
before you let him into the Hall of Fame, you know, but that's another problem for another day for another show. But yes, Andre Johnson has the Hall of Fame numbers. He has a clean slate. He was one of the greatest wide receivers from in, in, the, in the 2000s and the first part of the 2010s. But I don't think he's going to be able to make the Hall of Fame only due to the fact he does not have the success. And like I say, if he does get into the Hall of Fame, it's going to be one of those, well, this is not a strong class. He's been on the ballot for about 15 to 20 years. Let's let's finally add him in. And at this at this age, he'll be like between 50 and 70 years old. And I'm not saying that to be to 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 make a joke or to you know to poke fun at something. I'm not. I just feel like that's the only way Andre Johnson could get in. I believe that if he was to have have a quarterback throwing him the ball consistently, not just one year, not just two years, but consistently. I do believe Andre Johnson could have had a chance to be at least one of the top 10 receivers that we have ever seen in this league. But this franchise has ruined that opportunity from Johnson. Welcome in, everybody. Hey, before we get out of here today, I want to let you guys know about a star who is not in the making, just ascending to a different location. And that is Ian Dubois, formerly of HBU, the Huskies over here on 59 basketball team. Every year, this young man has increased his scoring performance. Last season, not this season, that was just canceled by the NCAA due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But the season before that, he shot 43% from behind the arc. This kid can ball, and now he will be transferring to Wake Forest to play for the Demon Deacons. And Coach Danny Manning sat down, well, not sat down, but had a chance to speak with him uh, this past weekend over the phone, did an interview and I would love for you guys to check it out. Only on YouCanArgueThatSports.com. Again, that is YouCanArgueThatSports.com in the podcast session. Just go ahead and click it. And you can also subscribe to the website as well, where Cody has been doing a phenomenal job giving you guys daily sports news. You can also find the Locked On Texans that automatically updates to the website and more content as well so just scroll down in your email subscribe and definitely go listen to that interview me and Ian had a great time and he is also a fan of the Ozark show which is just oh my gosh blew me away and Tiger King which I mean I think everybody should watch that documentary only because it really shows how privilege can get away with a lot I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy. Whenever you guys feel compelled to get off your thoughts that you may feel like no one else cares about or no one else is listening, I am always listening and I always care. I may not respond immediately, but trust me, I will always respond. And as always, I'm Cody Davis, and please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until tomorrow. Hey, listen, stay safe, stay sanitized, and stay sane.
Shout out to all you essential workers and anybody that is not able to work right now. Thoughts and prayers out to you. Peace. Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.